Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? Ready for Gun with the Bushes after hours. After hours. Let's go. Let's go to our correction corner. We have a correction from last week. Yes. Shout out my favorite murder for the um, name of the corner. Uh, for our, um, hello, exactly right po- um, podcasting network. Um, uh, so, correction corner. It's not really a correction as much of uh, information that I did in no corner. And I learned after talking to my dad that, well, I guess I remember he reminded me that NASCAR officially banned um, the display of any Confederate flag on all NASCAR properties after the killing of George Floyd in 2020. Um, oh, wow. So I forgot that that happened, and um, I have not been to a race since, clearly, COVID. But, yeah, just wanted to call it out because I know we talked about it a lot last week. And thank you, NASCAR. Well mm-hmm. done. <clears throat> well, this this week – was said this year, but hasn't it been pretty it's much? As it is the COVIDversary, as yeah. they say. It is a COVIDversary, and I'm just saying my last few days have felt like a year. So we are going to New York City for the 1971 film Clute. Oh, 70s. 70s. Early 70s. So, Ma, you were 19. Yeah, came out. I was a, I was a, the end of my freshman, beginning of my sophomore year in college. Oh wow! Oh yeah. Were you dressing like this? <laughs> I'm gonna say no. <laughs> I'm gonna say no, but I'm gonna say I did try the braless thing a bit, but oh. it didn't work out real well. How? It was before. It was before children. Oh. I'll talk about that in a minute, but that's coming back in a big way. Not me. Jane Fonda is a high-priced call girl being stalked by a psychopath. What could go wrong? (laughs) What could go wrong? (laughs) So, Erin, we could call this the What Could Go Wrong podcast. Yeah, God uh, the bushes. I listened to a podcast about movies this week, um, about this movie, and it had a great name that I thought for a movie podcast, and the name of the podcast is Movies My Friends Have Never Seen. Oh, yes. yes. And he also watches classic movies. Okay. And has a friend on there to discuss with him. Oh, very nice. Yes. It's like it was a good idea or yeah. something. Yes. <laughs> Glad he took our idea. Okay, Aaron, the particulars. Everybody copies us. Yeah, I know. Clute. It had its United States uh, premiere debut. It came out June 25th, 1971. That makes it the 50th anniversary. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wild. All right, so the particulars. It was directed and produced by Alan J. Pakula, or Pakula. I always say it wrong, um, but I say a lot wrong. He also did All the President's Men, which we've done, The Parallax View, Sophie's Choice, The Pelican Brief, 
and he also produced To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Nerd alert. This is the first of what is known as his, quote, paranoid trilogy. Oh, I was going to ask about that. Mm-hmm. So the this was Clute, and then the second in the trilogy was Parallax View, and then All the President's Men. The writer is Andy and Lee Lewis. They're brothers. Wait, Andy and Dave. Did I say? Lee, where did Lee come from? I don't know. I think I have this thing where I might not be dyslexic. I might have a visual processing disorder. I <laughs> well, that's dyslexia like, too. Uh, huh. Yeah. Maybe I I'm have sure that. you do. I'm sure it's much more deep seated than we ever knew. <laughs> yeah. How did you get by all this time? I was like, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, okay, so take two. Speed, action. The writers, it was written by Andy and Dave Lewis. They were brothers. Dave was the oldest. Andy was the younger one. He also co-wrote Underground, the TV movie Big Rose, Colin, Double Trouble, and the TV show The Virginian and the FBI. The music is by Michael Small, who also did The Parallax View, The Step for Wives, and Marathon Man. The director of photography is Gordon Willis, who did these movies you may have heard of, The Godfathers, Part 1, 2, and 3. Oh, He also shot All the President's Men and Annie Hall, to name a few. And then I put this in a little nerd alert because I saw his name in the credits. And the, the camera operator on this was Michael Chapman, who is famous for many other movies, but most notably, he shot... Raging Bull, which Ooh. is a stunning visual accomplishment in cinematography. Another one we haven't done. I know. Edited by Carl Lerner, who also edited 12 Angry Men and Black Like Me. Starring Jane Fonda as Bree Daniels. Our previous Jane Fonda film that we did was 9 to 5. She was also in Cat Baloo, Barbarella, Barefoot in the Park, Coming Home, On Golden Pond, Monster-in-Law, and most recently she's in Grace and Frankie. And I recommend very highly the documentary Jane Fonda in Five Acts. If you are at all curious as... Oh, you watched it? Oh, yeah. No, I want to watch it. I watched I think it I did. Yeah, because it was around the time of their wedding. I watched part of it with you. In the in the Oh, so that was a while ago. Yeah. That was before time. It was in the before times. Um Donald Sutherland plays John Clute. He's Canadian. I had no idea. I didn't either. Not that that matters. He was also in The Dirty Dozen, MASH, Animal House, Ordinary People, and most recently you may recognize him from The Undoing and Trust, which is, I've seen Oh, The Undoing. Yeah, he was the father in The Undoing. He has really buggy eyes. I'm so used to him as an older gentleman that it was just tripping me out to just see his young face. And I'm just like, wow, he, he just still looks the same, but... He's younger here. This is, but his eyes are the same. This is wild. I never found him attractive. He, as Jane Fonda said, he's got a nice mouth. Charles 
Coffee, C-I-O-F-F-I, as Peter Cable. Okay, nerd alert. When I was doing the particulars, the first thing in Wikipedia in the paragraph, it said, he is best known as Lieutenant Matt Reardon on Get Christy Love! Exclamation point. That was the name of a show. Get Christy Love! It was the name of the show. What is this? So then I had to click on, what is Get Christy Love? And... That show starred Teresa Graves as an undercover black detective from 1974 to 1975, making Teresa Graves the second black lead star of her own hour-long series and the first to have her own drama series, and it was on ABC. And she was also in – oh, and then he was – so that's Teresa – Graves that I was like I I didn't even know about her and like good for her so I wanted to give her a shout out excellent Charles who played Peter Cable in this he was also in Shaft and all the right moves that was just like hmm. okay Roy Scheider as Frank Ligorin he was that was a surprise Jaws the French Connection Marathon Man all that jazz and Sequest DSV we have Vivian Nathan as the psychiatrist. She was mm. the founding. She was a founding member of the Actor Studio, oh. and that sounds familiar because you remember Martin Ritt, who did HUD and a bunch of movies that we've done. He was blacklisted, and he was working at the Actor Studio and patron saint of the Gone with the Bushes podcast. Paul Newman, also a member of the Actor Studio. Mm. Rosalind Cash played Pat. Um, I guess she was like maybe in a club scene because she I know her as Mary May Ward from General Hospital. And so I was just like, wait, she was in this because I didn't really see her, but she's listed on the credits. So I had to give a shout out to her. Okay. You know, remember, she was she she was the mistress of Edward Quartermain on General Hospital, and her grandson was Justice. Oh, Justice. Yes, I remember Mm -hmm. Justice. Yeah. And Gene Stapleton. Yes! As Goldfarb's secretary, she's most famous as Edith Bunker in All in the Family. And kind of played an Edith Bunker role. Yes! So those are the particulars. Well done. Well. We start off with a mini reel-to-reel tape player. Oh, yes. And we have a lot of people talking. There's a dinner party. There are like 10 people there. It looks like a family dinner party. There, The man and the woman at the um, seat at the end of the table um, make a little toast to each other. Who was that woman? Because I've seen her in stuff before. Tom's wife. She did not make the cut of the particulars. Got it. I was not impressed, I guess. Well, we cut to detectives, and we hear that Tom has disappeared, and something about Mr. Cable from the plant. We meet Donald Sutherland, who is Clute. All this time, I thought that um, Jane Fonda was Clute. Well, it should have been called Bree. And, yeah. More on that later. Oh, okay. He was the best friend of Tom, who is... (laughs) Um, 
we hear that um, ask the wife if there were any marital problems or sexual sexual proclivities. And she's saying we were very happy. And then somebody says, mention the girl or the woman in New York City. A letter was written to a girl in New York City. It was found in his desk. And she received six to seven letters. They were obscene. And they were written by a very disturbed man. So they're kind of assuming that Tom, the husband, who was very happily married to the wife, um, had a sexual proclivity and was writing obscene letters to this woman. We don't yet know, but she is an on and off sex worker. So, but that was the thing that I was confused by because they're investigating he's a missing person. And then, oh, we found these obscene letters in his desk. So then are they thinking, oh, that's it. He's finally snapped and he's just gone full on sex fiend serial killer. Okay, Artini had to leave us for a few minutes, and so Erin and I are going to continue without her, and we hope she can catch back up with us. So, uh, Erin, you were talking about the letters. I thought just one letter was in his desk at his office, and that they had contacted a woman who had re- – it, it is it – is, um, Weird and complicated. Like I didn't know a lot. Yeah, confusing. Yeah, like I didn't know how they knew about that she had gotten six or seven letters. Have they already investigated her? Have they already talked to her? So we're gonna move on. There was a lot of uh, a lot of it got filled in for me after I watched the film and I read the synopsis. Okay, well that tell that that lets you in on something there. But that so, might be my my visual processing disorder, which, which I totally get because it was Lewis and you saw the Le and you went with Lee. See, mm-hmm. it makes sense to me. Okay, then we come to the credits and we hear the real we see the real to real being set up, and we hear the voice of of a sex worker going over financial arrangements, but we only hear her side of the conversation. So it's like her apartment is being bugged, but not her phone, because we can't hear both sides of the situation. Oh, um, good point. Thank you. In one's house, uh, and she's saying, in one's house, one should be free of clothing and inhibitions. As long as you don't get, as long as you don't hurt me more than I want to be hurt, let it all hang out. <laughs> well, yeah, let, yeah. But, but she, she's got more of the, the sex worker she kind does, of. She does, and she's trying to. Yeah, she does. Uh, yeah, obviously, I'm not a sex worker. Never <laughs> have been, so I Although, don't have. In Germany, you well, did get I, those calls. I did. I did. Season lighter, falsche verbunden. They didn't want to hear they had the wrong number. They wanted Andrea for telephone sex. Couldn't give the people what they wanted. I couldn't. I couldn't. Okay. Now she, we, we know that this Jane Fonda and she's on a casting call and they're like 15 girls in a row and this woman and man go by and they're just, picking each woman apart physically, it 
just has to be so degrading. And they're saying she's too pretty. Um, and she does have funny hands. They had to show her hands. And <laughs> she had, like, like freakishly long fingers. Oh, I didn't even know. I just was laughing and writing down, like, no, your hands are funny. You know, I was like, that's hilarious to say to Jane Fonda. Right. I didn't notice it then, but later in the movie, she was doing something with her hands. <laughs> and that might be a, a real, you know, real plus for a sex worker. I'm just saying. Oh. So um, she was dismissed. Then we are six months later, and there is a report from the FBI uh, Clute, Donald Sutherland, knew Tom, the missing man, and they want him to investigate because the police haven't come up with anything. And Donald Sutherland, Clute, was at the table that first scene. Yes, it was at the dinner table. Yes. Right. Okay, uh, CP. CP. Could be a lot of things. Not Donald life. Sutherland. See charge. Good call, girl. Okay. Uh, Mondo. Then she gets a phone call, but she gets a lot of breather phone calls and anonymous phone calls. Her name is Bree. She's on the phone again with uh, another um, client. Yeah, is John? We're not allowed. Are we not allowed to say John anymore? I don't John know. A, I chose to go a higher road. Client, client, and she's. Uh, oh, she is. She's not with a client. She is with someone who she calls if she needs a quick fifty bucks, who will set her up with somebody. It's not her pimp, but it's like a broker. It's like an exchange kind of thing, which basically I think is doing the job of. Well, it's a it's an intermediary who who she's not a full time with that person, but every once in a while she needs some money. And so she calls and says, you know, do you have anybody for me for 50 bucks today? Mm -hmm. Did you look up? 50 bucks in 1971 and what that would be today? No, I was hoping that Teeny would. She probably did. She probably did. With us right now. Well, um, Jane Fonda Bree is going to meet him at his hotel room. And he says, do you want a drink? And she gets ginger ale, which I found interesting. Well, because she wants to. Okay, so she just got rejected from her modeling thing. And so the first thing that she does is she goes to the pay phone. Cause, you know, they don't have cell phones since 1971. And she calls the number in and gets like, hey, I need something. So you can kind of tell. You're, it's kind of an insight into her psyche. You know, she yeah, has feeling yeah. down about herself. So now she needs um, a fix. But it's interesting because we will find out later of why exactly that is a fix to her. Yes. Well, so she's in the room with this dude, and she says, tell me what you want. I mean, she she was good as far as the lingo and the and the language and, and her body language. And, like, she – but she, as I previously said, high price call girl. Oh, uh, anyway, uh, so she wants a clear mind, and she says, I want to get the transaction out of the way so that we can just have fun. Yeah, not her and, first rodeo. 
And so, um, yeah. And so she says, tell me what you want. And he whispers something to her. And thankfully, we don't hear it because she whis- She says, oh, that's going to be $100. And so she undresses and um, it shows her calling him, oh, my angel, in in the act. Then she's walking home with some flowers. So she made enough money that she could buy herself some flowers. And we see a Buckley Funeral Home sign, and she's in a brownstone walk-up. So she lives on top of a funeral oh, home, maybe? probably, yeah. I missed or that. next to one. Uh, because I would think that the prices on of rent would be a little less on top of a funeral home. Just, uh, Just a thought. Okay, she triple locks her door, she takes a bath, she has some wine, she uh, lights candles, has a little bit of weed, and she sings the, the hymn, We Gather Together to Ask the Lord's Blessings. Oh, yeah. Which was odd. She reads, uh, she's reading a book called Sun Signs, S-U-N Signs. Like me, Leo. Yes. Uh, and we hear on the radio that Con Ed is asking people to cut back on electricity. This was during the brownout, blackout periods in New York City, I believe. The phone rings. There's no one there. The phone rings again. She's very unnerved. And you just see her sitting up in bed. Uh, she's having a hard time sleeping. Next morning. She is making a blender drink. I don't think it was your blender mimosa. No, but did the blender look familiar? It's exactly the blender that we used to have in when I was a little girl. Yeah. No, we had that blender when I we, was a little girl. Really? That That's same the one? orange Julius blender. What was that? It was the orange something. Orange. orange. Oh, no, it was orange. Wow. It was a powder. It was a powder you would put in the blender with ice and orange juice, and it would be a frothy drink. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I told my mom yesterday, turns out all you need to make a frothy drink with some orange juice is some ice and some vodka. And it does the same thing. Only a little bit better <laughs> with the vodka. And we also see a sketch of JFK. I said it was a sketch. It is a sketch. I thought it was maybe a pencil she, sketch. Yeah, I thought maybe she was an artist, but we find out later more about that. Um, oh. Okay. The doorbell rings. Clute, Donald Sutherland with his buggy eyes, is there, and he has questions about Tom. And he says, you know, Tom wrote you some letters, and he has to. As a sometimes sex worker, she's, of course, (laughs) you did your as a, like you were going to interject a personal, like, comment to that. And so you went, as a, I'm like, okay, where is this going? Sex worker. I'm like, wait, what? Okay. Okay. So I had two thoughts going at one time, which is really hard on my brain at this point. But as a sex worker. She is very concerned about someone being uh, from the police force or FBI knocking on her door. Right. Um, and so she, he, he says he's not a cop. He's not FBI. She still locks the door on him because she don't have time for that shit. Well, 
because she doesn't have to open it for him. It was very smart. It's what you should do. She he, he knocks on the door. She's got the change. He's like, "What do you want?" I have some questions for you. Are a cop? Are you a cop? He was like, "No." Do you have any identification? He presents his private detective identification. She looks at it and she says, "Oh, so I don't have to talk to you, do I?" And he's like, "No." So she shuts the door because he thinks that she's gonna unlock it, and right. she just shuts the door. Which I want everyone to know. You know, just because somebody knocks on your door doesn't mean you have to answer it. Yeah. You don't have to answer your door. You don't have to answer your phone. If it rings, then you don't notice the caller ID. I never answer my phone. Okay, so um, next scene, it is daytime. She has a portfolio. She has a meeting on Broadway. Um, and someone's asking her, how do you like being an actress? And she's saying, well, you know, all the stuff you're supposed to say. And she says, you, you really have to know. And the, the person interviewing her says, you know, it's not just embodying whatever role you're doing. You need to know yourself and bring part of yourself to each role. Blada, blada, blada. Next scene, she's at a therapist's office mm-hmm. because who could take that much rejection? And not see a therapist. And she's saying, I can't afford to keep come here, coming here. Why do I still want to trick? So mm-hmm. it's like, okay. Because she says it, because she says, you know, I went to the audition. I didn't get it. The first thing I had to do was I had to make that phone call to, to turn a quick trick. Because that's some that is something she can control. She's mm-hmm. in total control. And then she explains it to the therapist about that. Mm-hmm. I know I'm good. I'm in control. For an hour, I'm the best actress in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of money for a short a short amount of time as possible. Made me feel like I wasn't alone. Then we see creepy Clute with his buggy eyes recording her phone calls. And then there is an older man in a fashion house, and she goes to see him, and it's, oh, it's so good to see you. Uh, and then she she does this. Uh, well, she's all dolled up in this sequins gown, and she's got a feather boa, very glamorous. And she's reciting this whole spiel about how she was in Europe and she was at con a rendezvous and she had a rendezvous with a stranger and he looked rather like you so she is a fabulous actress just not the one that the that the casting agents are looking for and she's undressing as she tells the story and creepy clute we're going to call him creepy clute is standing in the back watching. But she doesn't have to interact with this old man. She does this. He pays her to do this performance. So it's an acting gig, truth be told. Yeah. Okay, at her apartment, as she arrives home, Clute is there. He wants to ask her some questions. She says, I've told the police everything. I just don't remember. It was a couple years ago when these letters happened. Uh, and she says, a year ago, I was living on Park Avenue. I was living life to the fullest. I had a full-time job. Cops, the pics mean nothing. Hmm. I Ask me. 
she got she got um arrested, didn't she? She got arrested being yeah. a, a high price escort sex worker. Yeah, escort. <clears throat> but Clute wants to ask her about the letters because the letters are the are the tie between Bree and missing Tom. Um, and so she talks about this one client who hired her and then tried to kill her. And she said, usually it's a fake out, like it's a fantasy thing. Like we pretend like he's going to, you know, try to kill me and we act it out. And, you know, all is well. I get paid at the end. I walk away. But this guy was for real. And she goes, uh, but I cannot identify him. Yeah. And isn't this a guy that like beat her as well? Yes. And you're just, and you're just this like, uh, just, yeah. It was 1971. Wow. Um, okay, so she knows that Clute has all these reel-to-reel tapes of her in her apartment speaking to clients, you know, the one-sided conversations. Well, because she, Clute got into, he somehow was able to rent a basement apartment. In the same building that she was in? Exactly. So, and, and then a really shitty place. Yeah. I was surprised we didn't see any roaches or rats. True, but I thought her apartment wasn't that bad. I thought her apartment was nice. Yeah. She yeah. was like, oh, I live in this dump, this hovel. And I was like, I bet that that is going for a pretty oh penny my right God. now. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, So she's saying, bring me the tapes and we'll have a party. She's trying to seduce Clute so she can get the tapes. She's willing to have sex with him so that she can get the tapes back. He's going to work her magic. He's not going for it. This is her. This is what she does. She knows how to deal with men. She's like, I got this. No problem. She does indeed. So he's going, but wait, what about the phone calls? What about you told police people were following you? She said, I just got spooked. I'm afraid of the dark, just a little nervous broad. Then there's a phone call. Um, Somebody gives your name to us. So Clute is going, oh, so like you have somebody who can give your name to somebody else. So it's hard to track down who exactly she's been with because it's all through other people. Mm Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm trying to get out of this. Then we, she talks about Frank Lagrin, Green? Roy Schneider. Yeah. His, yeah oh. I don't know how it was. Frank Ligorian or something. Yes. And he was my old man, but we broke up. Old man as in her pimp. Mm-hmm. And she left him. But... Clute goes, shh, there's somebody on the roof. Now, she's been hearing sounds all the time, but she thinks it might be her imagination, but it freaks her out. Yeah, she's been, like, hearing things. She's been getting these calls with this weird (sighs) breathing thing. There's a lot of red flags going off. Yeah. She's just, oh, I'm just a nervous woman, silly old me. It's meanwhile... I don't know, lady. Yeah. You know, step out of it. So, Clute goes up, and he goes looking for the person who is 
who is causing the noise, and it's been 40 minutes, and I stop. Nice. Now, our POC count, there are several people. I didn't count them, did you? I counted loosely. I came up with a POC count of 11. Now, there was the black FBI agent, Mm -hmm. and then I counted seven female models because after Jane Fonda's class is gone, then they just bring in uh, black women models. And may I say, in 1971, a black FBI agent, bless your heart. Wow. Just, wow. Yeah. That's got to be a tough road to hoe. Um, Club patrons, because we have to think that. Oh, we had some clubs. We had some clubbing going on. I'm sure that Rosalind Cash, Cash was in there somewhere. And then, okay, Frankie. She had dark hair, and I didn't know if she was supposed to read as white or if she was something else. Uh, uh, She appeared to me that she might have some Asian going on. Yeah, I I didn't know. There was probably a mix there, or there might not have been. Might not have been. I don't know. So that's why I put the question mark for Asian white i don't know yeah we are not we are saying everybody is welcome Mm -hmm. okay so as far as cast goes yes the power of cast so with uh sex workers and their pimps there is definitely a cast system but what was brought out in this uh, movie was also that the pimps favorite girl there's well, a caste system among the girls. There, because this, these are my terms, but I did read Iceberg Slim, and I know that the pimp's favorite um, girl is known as his bottom bitch. And is she her, his highest, highest grossing? She's uh, she's she's basically his. If you're talking, if we're looking at the whole. Hodum, uh, <laughs> hodum. The whole hodum New world. <laughs> done with the bushes is hodum. And we and we transpose military onto it, so the pimp would be like the officer. I would say that the bottom bitch is like the sergeant major, right? Because she's basically middle management, and her job is to keep all of the other um, ladies in line. So she's basically like his, but then also, you know, this is, there's a, there's a difference kind of between what was going on in this movie and what goes on in the lower cast of society. Oh, wow. Um, yes. You know, because like. Because remember, she was a high priced. And she was white. Girl. Yeah. Right. She was more of the high price. And so when you, as you go down to the different tiers and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh yeah so i did read the books iceberg slim because that was about an autobiography written by a guy who was in the game iceberg slim he was a pimp and he was just laying out all of the like there's so much jargon and stuff of it so that was just a, a fascinating inside look into that whole world and this is a, a is higher Elmore Leonard. No, this was Iceberg Slim, a.k.a. Oh, oh yeah, Iceberg Slim. 
from the 70s. Written by? Iceberg Slim. Oh, I'm sorry. There's Iceberg Slim, and then he also wrote other, like, he wrote Trick Baby, which was about um, a guy who was the product of, his mother was a prostitute, and his father was a client to to try to nicen up the parlance and he was um he he was black but he was mixed so that um he had like really uh light features and light eyes so that he could pass as white and he i think he grew up to he was like a con man like those books are really fascinating and really good but not not like they're really gritty and you know about like this was how it was but it, it's it's good if you if you can like handle that kind of thing it's fascinating and then you also wrote like the long white con like he had a whole bunch of different series of books but okay yeah well don't judge till you walk in somebody else's yeah because you're just like when you hear it you can say oh you have problems with it but the whole, like, what pimps do is the same thing that the United States military does to mm-hmm. recruits. Like, mm-hmm. you, you break, they have to break them, and then they become completely dependent on the mm-hmm. pimp. And then, and there's the whole hierarchy, so that the, like, his favorite, the pimp's favorite woman is known as, you know, the bottom bitch, and she's the one that keeps everyone else in line. But then sometimes he has to, like, make an example of her and get her in exactly. line. And then, you know, then there's so much classism and misogyny involved in it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the whole caste system that I saw happening here. I okay. That the power of caste, um, just as far as, as, like, women and how she, she had a stalker. Like, yes, she's a sex worker, but she has a stalker. And nobody does anything about it. It's mm-hmm. just so. Oh, and she's to... even, and she's white, mm-hmm. and she's a high price call girl, and they didn't care. So yeah. imagine what the what the streetwalkers are getting. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. And people who are, because she's not strung out in this. Um, and then, and to that point, when it goes in, so spoiler alert, like, you, from now on, it's going to, we might say stuff that's going to spoil the movie. So you've had your warning. But yes. when they're going on and they're covering the investigations, I come across some of her other uh, colleagues or former colleagues, I guess you would say. Um, and they, they had, quote, suicides. Like, yeah, they were just classified as suicides because they just, you know, all the police did was just, oh, well, what was her profession? Oh, well, she had sex for money. So, oh, well, I guess it was a suicide. Like, yeah. there's no looking Put into it. Put her in Potter's Field. Mm-hmm. Um, and how society, like, the cast of how society looks at, looks down on what, what Bree Daniels does. Mm-hmm. But she's a business woman. Like, and that's why it's kind of crazy to me when you think about it. Why is it illegal for women to collect money for providing a service? Like, they have, like, you know, like, I don't understand why prostitution is illegal. You're, you know, like, if you're, it's, they say it's the oldest profession of all time. Indeed. 
And so if if somebody wants to to do that, then why is it illegal? Because it's the whole it being illegal that then causes the whole problem. I mean, that's what we had prohibition where, you know, drug or alcohol was illegal. And that's what really let organized crime flourish. And so like so you've made this this thing like she has this service and men are willing to pay for it but it's illegal and then that makes her need to have protection which then gets her involved in having you know a male protector and then people to take advantage of her so it kind of seems that a lot of the dangerousness comes from it being illegal right and she was really good when she was with her therapist explaining how um she could she was providing a service she was she was acting she was playing a role she was not emotionally involved with these people but again because she's a good actress she could make she could give them what they needed for that amount of money mm-hmm. so it was and it wasn't like she has it's it's to me it it's that thing of like, well, just because it's illegal doesn't mean that you have to do it. It's just like that's something that if somebody chooses to do, then they can go about and do it. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of people are put in the position of it's that or not put food on the table for yeah. your children. And Well, like they have to do that. But then because they have to do that and because it is illegal, then they have to get go into these like really seedy things where it's it's just seems that the whole reason that you're like who are you punishing because you're not punishing the men who are paying for it never punishing the men you're always for the money women yeah 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 Yeah, the it's just women so that's that's why this is a big power of cast for me because it's just ah look at you women look at us getting the shaft yet again yet again Okay, so now we are. Oh wait, to... sorry. And then my my other one was um the cast from like when they were casting, and you know how it was um she had the funny hands. I think like right before that, they walked up to this woman who read to me as white. She was a tan white woman with dark eyes and dark hair, and the casting director stopped and looked at her and said, "Oh, she's so exotic." Yes. And I was like, those are all dominant traits that I'm looking at. (laughs) What is exotic about this? And we're not hiring her. Yeah. And I, and I, I, that was the reason I wrote it down. And then I thought it was really hilarious because the next group of women they brought in were all black women. So I'm like, what? It was really a noticeable thing that there were like 15 women sitting in chairs along a wall. And they just go down, the, and then those 15 are dismissed, and the next 15 come in, and they were all people of color. It was like, well, hello. But that's what they do, because they have the different casting groups. So, obviously, like, those 15 were for something else, and then they're bringing in the next 15 that replied to their – I mean, that's what what it is. We don't know, because we are not in the echelon of looks where nobody's ever said to us, hey (laughs) – Excuse me? Oh, excuse me. I will just say say me. Okay, so nerd alerts? 
Okay. So what? this came out in June 1971. So in June ni- in 1971, the United States banned radio and television commercials for cigarettes. Really? Yeah, which I I thought that was kind of early considering that 1990 was when they banned smoking on um yeah, continental flights. So. But that was I mean, I understand that those people who needed that nicotine rush, like it's like a a service animal for them. <laughs> you know, like don't mess with somebody who needs their nicotine on a six-hour flight, okay? Yeah, I guess now they have patches for that. <laughs> um, All in the Family debuted in January, speaking of Gene Stapleton. Um, Satchel Paige became the first Negro League player voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. So Satchel Paige is probably like put that up there and uh good job america look what you missed out mm-hmm. on kind of thing because he was a baseball player he played mostly in the negro leagues he made his major league baseball debut at 42 he played for the cleveland indians and 42. Yeah, when he made his debut at 42 he went on to lead the cleveland indians to the world series championship when he was 42 42. At 42. Imagine him at 22. That's the thing. He played his last game on June 21st, 1966, which was about a couple of weeks shy of turning 60. So he oh played when he was 59, just out there just smoking people. Oh, and my. That whole thing of like, yeah, I'm – I'm 59 or like when he played when his debut and he's 42 smoking people it's like yeah what what would have happened if you would see me at 21 you don't even know about it that's what people say like you don't even know so good for him for being voted in in 1971 but shame on America Mm because man we missed out on something special but there's there are people who saw it and they're like, yep, y'all missed out on something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah y'all stupid. Stupid. Um, the fight of the century. Joe Frazier beat Muhammad Ali in 15 rounds at Madison Square Garden, and mm-hmm. that fight has recently been on ESPN. It was on like last week and stuff. Really? Because mm-hmm. I think that was the fight where Muhammad Ali came back from. Again, America, look what y'all missed out on. Because Muhammad Ali had got stripped of all of his yes, titles and everything, because he was like, "I'm not going over to fight in Vietnam. You all don't treat me as a United States." Why am I going to kill these people who've done nothing to me? Yeah. So yeah. there was that. Um, speaking of Vietnam, so this is like it's 1971, high gear. Five thousand people gear. protested the Vietnam War in yeah. Washington D.C. and San Francisco. Here's something for you, Ma, that you will personally like. The Allman Brothers Band played their legendary Fillmore East concert. Fillmore East. Oh, I do love me some Allman Brothers. Mm-hmm. And in 1971, Swan versus Charlotte Mecklenburg Board of Education, the Supreme Court of the United States rules unanimously that busing of students may be ordered to achieve racial desegregation. I remember racial desegregation came down from 
1954, Brown versus the Board of Education. So what they were finding was that, um, you know, people were, were uh, dragging their feet and not integrating. And so the Supreme Court came in and was like, all right, y'all don't want to integrate. Now we're going to like, we're going to bust and we're going to make this thing. <laughs> we We gave you the chance to do the right thing, but you didn't want to. So then that's separate but equal, but you didn't do equal, so here we go. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more, obviously, to the, the busing thing, because that's, like everything, unintended consequences. And there's a fascinating revisionist history about it because uh, – the uh so Malcolm Gladwell was investigating it and it was like so you took all the black teachers away and you have all these black kids with white teachers that's a whole different dynamic white teachers didn't know how to discipline black children equally well yeah because the busing I don't think it it was I I don't know I don't really know this much about it but from what it seemed to me is that it was always black kids being bused to mm-hmm. white schools, and mm-hmm. it was never white kids being. Oh bused no, to no, black no, schools. no 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 And yeah, that was one of the unintended consequences right. of of integration was that you know unfortunately you would think all right, oh, we're going to integrate, so we're going to bring in black teachers and white teachers, and that's no, not no, no, how no, no. America worked. It was. No. Black teachers, thank you for your service. Goodbye. Yeah. White teachers have it, and then it's this that whole element of it of like, would would white kids? I I feel like America would have just been a much better place if there had been more black teachers, you know, in the in the integration of everything. Yeah. But okay, is that uh, the end of your nerd alerts? No. So oh. the top Box office grossing North American movies were number five, Diamonds Are Forever, number four, Summer of 42, number three, The French Connection, number two, Billy Jack, and the top grossing North American film of 1971 was Fiddler on the Roof. (gasps) Oh, okay. And the Best Picture nominees were Nicholas and Alexandra. The Last Picture Show, Fiddler on the Roof, A Clockwork Orange, and (gasps) the winner, The French Connection. Yeah. So, so my question, okay, are we going to do that in Tasty Nuggets? Who else was nominated for Best Actress that year? Yes, I do believe I have that in my Tasty Nuggets. Because I'm not not seeing a, a female in a leading role in the French Connection. No. That was a a very masculine movie. We'll have to do that sometime. We do definitely have to do that. Okay, so now we're to reheatables. Mm -hmm. And I have several negatives, amazingly enough. I do, too. You know me. Okay, I have one in the middle. Between negative and positive. It depends on, this is one of those reheatables where it depends on what other, what other th- food things you have. Can you make it work? Or is it going to be wah, wah, wah? And it is 
the caftan. Now, what is a caftan? The caftan was the robe-type garment she wore toward the end, like a lounging robe thing. Lounging robe thing. So it was a pull-over, full-length robe situation that probably had, like, some embroidery around the neck, split neck, probably some embroidery around the sleeves. Uh so a caftan. A caftan is just a muumu to me. I didn't mumu. know that these were different. A muumu. Now it is different from a muumu. You can look it up. I did. When I did. in 1975, when I married your poppy, uh, I had to go do some formal events as a second lieutenant, which is the very bottom rung of the officer corps. But, you know, like, you have to go to uh, formal events where you have to wear a, a full-length dress. It's like going to a, a they would call it a ball. But, but so I always worried so much about what I would wear because I was, I, I didn't have great self-esteem. Anyway. Yeah. And my dad gets, what are you going to wear? Well, it's already been assigned to me. Right. My dress <laughs> blues. But you, it's got to be floor length. It's got to be, you know, fanciness. And I would go to those events and go, why did I bother to try? Because there would be women in caftans. And you know what? That was their best choice. Yeah, it's the 70s. And there were people who had who's uh, at that point husbands had been in the military and so they were you know kind of and so they hated beyond belief (laughs) exactly and they had lived their lives and they you know after a while let themselves go a touch and uh, a captain was a good choice for them (laughs) yeah a captain it was the like what the fuck do you want from me you've taken everything else blood from a stone this is the best love it or leave it love it or leave it and one time uh your aunt babs was with us in texas and there was a there was a ball and she thought it was going to be like you know a a princess prince cinderella ball <laughs> I'm sorry, but so she went with us, and she didn't have anything to wear, so we went out and we bought her a caftan. caftan. And she was perfect. I mean, I don't know if she was perfectly at home, but that caftan was perfectly at home in this I have situation. learned a lot. If the, if there's ever a time in the future where I need to dress something, I have entered my caftan phase of life. <laughs> There we go. It was definitely comfy. Yeah, I didn't mean, have to is wear. Is there any going back? Like, look at this. I haven't worn my pants. I haven't worn pants that have not had an elastic waistband in a year. You think I'm going back? Hell I no. went out. The, I went out yesterday, and so I put on a pair of jeans, and I went to the bathroom, and I'm going, why don't they just fold out? Oh, gotta unbutton and unzip. Yeah, so a caftan is is in both categories. So bad, and yet it kind of works. I'm I'm moving. This is nudged into my good reheatable column for me personally. <laughs> caftan, 
got it. I mean, it's three-quarter length sleeve, so you didn't have the arm issue. And got a lot of, because, you know, I sweat, so there, Ooh, it will hide well, my sweating. Yeah, because there's no, the armholes don't come up into your yeah, pit. No, exactly. it's kind of, it's a very relaxed it seems very comfortable. Yeah. It seems like just an upscale house dress. Truth be told, you didn't have to wear pantyhose, which were a thing back but, then. But here's my question, Ma. Did you wear a bra? Well, I did not wear the caftan. Oh. But the good news was you could wear a bra with a caftan. I wore, I think to that one, a halter dress <gasps> that we had bought in... San Francisco on our honeymoon. And so, no, there was not a bra involved. But I'm going to, again, say the bazungas were not the size they are at this point. So you were were all shoulders? Your shoulders were just... Yes, I will send you a picture. I will send you a picture. Ah, What a hippie. Listening to the Almond Brothers. That's right. That's right. (laughs) No, not then. No, not then. No. Oh, 71 maybe, but not that. Okay, my uh, my another negative, she had a cat that was a calico cat. Oh, yeah, she did. Well, so, that's yeah. something that it, I got personal. I got personal PTSD with calico cats. So if, if that's your uh, cat du jour, I'm happy for you. I have had traumatic, significant emotional events at the hands and claws of calico cats. I'm surprised you and your brother didn't get a urinary tract infection from not going to the bathroom at Grammy's house because the cat sat there and wouldn't let you two pass. Would not. Would not. The eerie music. I didn't like the eerie music. It was too, it, it tried too hard. Maybe not. I I can't. I have to not say anything. Okay. Um. Okay. She had her hair was called a long shag. Do you know about her? The story behind her hair? I don't. Oh, I guess we should do it now. It is a tasty nugget I have. Please tell me the story of her long shag. Because I as well, in that in-between of, is her hair a bad reheatable or a good reheatable? Because it's, it's a commitment. So If you cut off the mullet part, I could have dealt with it. Well, she had had, this was from an interview I saw with her, because this movie came out in the Criterion Collection a few years ago, and <clears throat> there was just a clip online of her and she explained about the hairdo it so she had had blonde hair and she didn't want all of this blonde hair that she had anymore and so she um i forget which husband she was with i think it was vadim that guy she was just like I think and I think she was living in New York and she was just like give me your barber's number I'm just sick of it I need to do something I'm so sick of this hair and so she called his barber and went and she was just like just just get rid of it do something and that's the haircut like that was her hair so Mm -hmm. her hair and like that like she didn't go and get like 
this for the role. That was just the haircut uh-huh. that she had at the time. And it was just, I'm sick of this. And also, she loved it because when she walked down the street, people didn't know who she was because she didn't have all of the hair. Because I haven't seen Barbarella, but, like, I think this is, like, it's kind of, it's at, like, she did Barbarella. And I don't know if she did this directly after it, but Barbarella was out there. So people knew her as having all of this hair and, like, Barbarella and I think she spoke her voice was kind of up higher mm. and this was just that classic just i need a new beginning i just well it took off the shag took off it's a very 70s haircut and when i looked at it i was like oh my gosh i think miley cyrus has that haircut right now or in the not too recent past it's a very but the thing about that haircut is there's only one way to style it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just gonna do that. Yeah. And it, it was very Helmuty. Very yeah. Hel Helmut hair. Mm-hmm. Because that summer, it came out in June, my college roommate had gotten her haircut in a shack. And so when when we all got back our sophomore year, she gave me a shag haircut. Can and your hair do a shag? Not well. So what she did was just section off a piece and then like like uh what's that called when you just ring it around each other? Oh you, yeah, you twist it. Twist it and then you just that's, cut. Yeah, that's, that's how, how hers went. Yeah, and so she did that all over my head because that's what they had done at the salon for her. Yeah, it didn't, but everybody had a shag then. I mean, some semblance of a shag haircut. That was oh, very big. Interesting. I have a, so it means I have a shag haircut. <laughs> Just, I have different hair texture than Jane Fonda. Yes, and it's, it's, Working a whole lot better because you don't have the long in the back. Just cut off that long in the back. It is long in the back. It's just that it's curl. It curls up. Yeah. Okay. But that's again the. I have a very forgiving hair texture. Yes, you do. <laughs> and that's not thanks to your mother. Her when she was auditioning for a role that Irish accent, I feel like she intentionally did a really bad Irish accent because she wasn't going to get the role. I, I hope that if she were really auditioning with an Irish accent, she'd do it much better. Cause even I'm better at my Irish accent. Than Are you was. talking about the, the, I don't know. I think that was kind of the point is that she's, she's really good at acting like a call girl. But she's well, not, not so, so good <laughs> at acting. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't Jesus, Mary, and Fook, and Joseph. Um, going to sleep with her shoes on? <laughs> well, that's... Well, I have something on that later, because that was hilarious. Uh, the dirty mattress? No, I didn't notice. When she was when she was down with Clute, and he just pulled the the trundle bed out, and it was just a oh, you mean in his basement place yes. that he yes. happened to just be renting? Yes. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, okay, insomnia, because insomnia is a true issue. Oh, she had insomnia? Yeah. But, you know, it's really funny about that. <laughs> Around that time, I could not keep my eyes open when I was watching this. I was they I was doing this whole thing, I, so I missed that whole insomnia thing because I was just. <laughs> you were sleeping my, for her, weren't my you? My eyelids were calling. It got me. really slow. I mean, it got really slow. Yeah. So I there's a lot of things I missed. My last negative, negative, negative reheatable was the buttons under the desk. The buttons under the desk. Okay, so the guy, um, the head uh, corporation dude. Oh, his, like, Matt Lauer buttons? Yes, his Matt Lauer buttons. Yes. I'm so desensitized to Matt Lauer buttons at this point. Yeah, that's really a negative. You're a negative. That's about right. All right. Mm. The super weird Warner Brothers logo at the start. Like, I've never seen that logo before, and it's weird, and I'm like, that. there's a reason why I've never seen it before. It was weird. It was I red. It. had a weird Warner Brothers font, and I was like, nope, this is not working. How odd. Uh, just obscene letters. Yeah. <laughs> it, in 2021, what obscene letters? And it was probably like, I saw your garter belt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I already said, like, the the basement apartment just happened to be yeah. vacant. Yeah. The reveal, I don't, the guy, like, that Peter Cable, but I saw him, and, okay, you know what, I'm going to say it. I thought that he, it took me a while, because I thought that he and Tom were kind of the same guy. Oh, and okay. I was okay. like, oh, no, that's Tom, and I'm like, oh, no, that's Peter, but then I'm like, but that guy's familiar. What? Wh- why would I had he- to rewind that like two times and I still didn't get it. So I'll save more on that later. Um, the slang. I wondered how the slang. If it's a thing of like, well, this movie's fifty years old, so the slang seems really try hard. That's pretty freaky you know? for me. Yeah, like it seems kind of try hard. Yeah, really, because just some of the stuff that she said, like not, I believe Jane Fonda, but just some of it kind of seemed really slangy. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know if that's really aged well. Um, when, oh, when uh, her friend Jane, who. That was her character name, so not to be confused with Jane Fonda. How her quote friend Jane passed off an abusive uh, client mm-hmm. to her. I'm mm-hmm. like, that is cold blooded. But I'll bet that happened a lot. Oh yeah. yeah. If you're lucky enough to pass them off, because uh, like <laughs> friends, friendship and loyalty. Yeah. Mm. You know, I. Some some rapper said it, not me. These hoes ain't loyal. That's wasn't me. I'm just saying I've heard that. Just how that was a negative reheatable. But right hey, there. maybe if uh, maybe if if you were allowed to legally sell your goods and wares, maybe they would be loyal. Just saying, no judgment. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
how the the whole thing came together from a typewriter typo. That was like smoking it. gun. I, but there's another movie where a typewriter has yeah, that that solves the crime. Yeah. Just I mean cuz just again these times there's those kids who are like what's a typewriter? Plus HTE is how I used to always type the word the. Well, I couldn't even type in the typo in my notes. It just automatically I kept trying to type in HTE and it was like the 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 I'm like this is why this is a bad reheatable. Um I again I mentioned it. I wasn't really even sure what was going on. I thought that I knew what was going on and then it, I had to read the plot synopsis after the movie. Okay. And I still wasn't sure like at some point Clute moved in and Okay. And my final one Moving on up. Along with Roger Ebert and Christine before she had to go. Why was this called Clute? Roger Ebert asked it as well. And he says like it should have been called Brie. I disagree. I think that it should have been called Clute, but it should have been John Daniels and Brie Clute. Clute should have been Bree's last name. Yeah. You yeah. call it Clute. Because the whole thing of Clute is that it's it's weird and it's like, what is that? And exactly. So then you get to keep the weirdness because you're like, oh, Bree Clute. Like like a client isn't going to be like, well, first of all, a client's not going to know her last name. So she can right. be Bree Clute. And I could hear people saying, executives going, well, Bree Clute, it doesn't sound sexy. And it's like, she's a call girl. You're not, you're only going to know Bree. That's good right. enough for you. So she right. should have been Bree Clute. Right. Yeah, that was, yeah, okay. Positive reheatables. Mm-hmm. She had a maze ball suede jacket. That suede jacket was nice because it fit her. Mm-hmm. I bought a suede jacket once. It didn't fit me and it didn't work. I My thing about suede is I don't like and again, this could be because of Seinfeld, and I just learned a lesson. I don't like how temperamental suede. Yes. Yes. I like. But in '71, nice suede. Oh. Oh my God. They have fringes. Oh my God. Okay, my other positive is the VIP section at a club. I have been able to be. In a VIP section at a club once in my life. I haven't. So your brother has. Oh. Yeah. Were you together? No. Oh. It was with Kenny. Oh. Yeah. So that's one time in my life I was in a VIP section. At a club. Yeah. Nice. At a club. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, I'm not gonna go there. So your positives? I like when Bree closed the door on Clute because she was like, I don't have to talk to him. Mm-hmm. I like how Bree felt like a real person. Yes. I'm like, oh, she like I forgot I was watching Jane Fonda, and Jane Fonda is one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. Um, I like the detective work, how the nerds were able to connect the typewriter to Peter Cable. Exactly. I like the warmth that the of the real to real audio sound. Yeah. There's just that warmth 
to it as you know he's that guy's being all creepy but i was like you know what he's creepy but there's a nice warmth to it hmm. i like the i like the tiny reel to reel yeah the pocket size mm-hmm I like how we had her blender, and I say we also had her pencil portrait of JFK, but that was a joke. We didn't have it, but a lot of people did. Have a pencil portrait? I know a lot of people had a portrait of John F. Kennedy, yeah. but a pencil portrait? Oh, I have something about that in my Tasty Nuggets. Oh, okay. I did put down as a good reheatable Jane Fonda's hair, but there were a lot of question marks around it. So I agree. It was a very, it, it was, uh, it's it could be negative and positive at the same time. Because it yes. was funky, but in one scene, there was like somebody just just cut it at an angle at the very top of Slayer. But it worked for her. That that look did work for her. Yeah. And then, but also, to, to work that shag, you got to be a really slim have a slim face. She couldn't have a lot of excess. Uh, yeah. Yeah, which is why it didn't work for me. <laughs> You're welcome. And my final, so did Clute clean her apartment? Because all of a sudden her apartment was clean. And I'm like, oh. I, I'm pretty sure he would have been the one to do it. Okay. Who knows? So now we are to quotables. Mm-hmm. I did some in my setting the table. I yeah, have say what? A couple of mine. What I would really like to do is be faceless and bodiless and be left alone. Oh, wow. Yeah. She said that in her therapist's office. And she's also said something about the comfort of being numb again. Yeah, there's a she's got some underlying trauma issues. Yeah. Yeah. I almost killed somebody. Well, I'm certain the doctor would like to talk to you about it. As a matter of fact, I'll have her call you. <laughs> she's calling her therapist. I think I killed somebody. Yes, the doctor's not available right now, but I will have to <laughs> put her straight through to the doctor. Come on. She uh, she thinks she killed somebody. They don't have cell phones in these times. Yeah, that's true. Mine are, uh, she's got funny hands. She said, for an hour, I'm the best actress in the world. Mm-hmm. That I'm a nervous broad. It doesn't mean anything. I'm like, yes, it does. When you have that sixth sense, it does mean something. It does. Pay and attention she, to it. And she said, men would pay $200 for me. And here you are turning down a freebie. You could get a perfectly good dishwasher for that. And I'm like, $200 for a dishwasher? Back in the day, this is where I need, we need our teeny. Yeah. Okay. LVP. Okay. Who's your LVP? Well, I have three that are connected. Okay. I have the word whore goes with sex worker, which ultimately goes with addiction. So those Uh three are pretty much combined. Because of her friends who didn't make it, 
they were numbing themselves with stuff that meant addiction. Oh, yeah, like they weren't in they weren't in the life because they were choosing to be in the life. They were in the life because of some other trauma that happened to them and they were numbing themselves and in order to numb themselves, they needed to pay to get the thing to numb them and that's how they were doing it. That's the circle of life. Yeah. Oh, so mine? Yes. My LVP is John the Super Idiot Cable. This guy, he got away with all of these murders. Why did he hire Clute, his friend and friend of his person that he's working with? Because I think he thought Clute wasn't able to solve the murder. I think he thought Clute was just a, you know, a dude who who wouldn't be able to actually stick with it and solve it. Because I thought the only reason that I could think of was that Clute, he would hire Clute and Clute would be able to cha- to track down Bree. But then he was already calling Bree and he was already like stalking Bree. Right. So it didn't make any sense. The guy's wife is like, oh, the FBI's on it. All he has to do is be like, look, our hands are tied. The FBI's on it. But instead, he's like, no, we're going to hire this guy. And he's yeah. going to be my friend. That never and, works out well. Right. Then also he decided to record the murders on reel-to-reel tape. Mm-hmm. So that's not very smart. That was not a, a wise move. Mm-hmm. Then at the end, he just decides to jump out a window? That did did... Wait. He didn't make any sense. Like, no, he I, didn't. I'm guessing his character is just, we're just like, oh, he, that's, he's crazy. He's a psycho. Because nothing that he did in this movie made any sense. So, Even down to when he's sitting in his, like, Lex Luthor type lair, which is just supposed to, it's just a regular office building, because to my knowledge, he's not Lex Luthor. And then he's listening to these tapes, which yeah. he's not, you know, headphones weren't a, a thing in 71. So, wouldn't a secretary be like, what the heck is this guy listening to? And then when he closes the partition, it's the thing of the spacewalk. Nothing this guy did made sense. Made sense. I agree. I agree. That's why he's my LVP. Okay. My uh, MVP. I have I have a couple. I liked that the typewriter was able to, I mean, this was back before all the technology. So they were able to go, okay, well, this particular typewriter, like the the middle keys were like, didn't press as hard as the outer keys. I, I like that. I like yeah. that they could pin it down to that. Um, also... There was no spell check for HTE, as we discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, DNA technology would have solved this thing a lot earlier with Heaven, her. That wasn't a thing. Underwear. Oh, no. Uh, and, of course, New York City. Yeah, in the 70s. Yeah, that was rough. But, um, yeah. Well, Okay, so those were my MVPs kind of scrunched together. 
All right. So my honorable mention, I have honorable mention as the music because it was creepy and it was distractingly creepy to me. But okay, if I bought it, it, I it made the movie creepy because otherwise it's like I don't understand what this guy's doing. Why is he an idiot? Okay. But then you add in the tinkling pianos and the woman's voice going, and you're like, all right, uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was creepy. Um, so then my MVP is Jane Fonda because, okay, my honorable mention part of Jane Fonda is, this might be the real MVP, but it's like a funny MVP. When she goes, because something happened, so she goes down to Clute, and Clute, you already mentioned it, he's going to sleep on there. And she goes to lay down. She basically just planks on the bed. <laughs> it was the craziest, funniest there thing. Is, there is a photo of me during the pandemic where I kind of did that in my big chair. Yeah. I mean, it's just a face plant. It's it was, a face plant. Yours was, is in the fetal position, face plant. Hers is, is it will come Prone. back. Yeah, it'll come back like 40 years later to be very problematic trend that the kids do called planking. But that's what she was doing. Yeah, with her shoes still on. Jane Fonda started planking. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. But really, in all honesty, that scene where she's listening to Arlen, to the audio tape of Arlen, and it's just on her face, and... It's she's just listening to her about like her friend. Well, I don't know if she's her friend, but somebody that she knows and she just starts crying and then she gets like what will become known as the Viola Davis, which is the full frontal nose snot. But it's no snot. Yeah, she goes all in. And I can't. Here's a quote from Roger Ebert. And he says, what is fascinating about Jane Fonda that makes her such a fascinating. Oh, Sorry. Visual processing again. What is it about Jane Fonda that makes her such a fascinating actress to watch? She has a sort of nervous intensity that keeps her so firmly locked into a film character that the character actually seems distracted by things that come up in the movie. Uh And she it's. She's just all she won the Oscar because of that scene. You're just watching her listen to this tape and she's just it's like I forgot that it's even Jane Fonda. I'm just like this is Brie watch listening to her friend who she knows her friend is dead and it's just her dawning on her like, Oh my gosh, is and you know, her not wanting this to no, this isn't what I think it is. Yes, this is exactly what I think it is, and I am with the man who has done it, and this guy is creepy. La la la. I also feel like she won it because she was a sex worker and yet you were able to like her and root for her. Well, it was that she was Bree Daniels, who happened to be a sex worker. Right, right, right. I believe we are to recasting. I have one cast. I have one as well, and I only did Bree and Clute. That's that's all I did as well. Okay. 
Would you like me? Mm-hmm. You know, you talk Brie, Brie, Brie. I got to go with Brie. Brie Larson. <laughs> As Brie Daniels? Yeah, I think she could pull it off. Yeah. Yeah, she totally could. She kind of did in in Room. Oh, I didn't see Room. Okay, I have two different clues. Okay. I started with Andrew Garfield. Okay. But I settled on Giovanni Ribisi. Ribisi, yes. He's a better. Mm -hmm. Because the thing about Clute is, like, like Donald Sutherland is, I was never sure that he wasn't a creep. Right. And Andrew Garfield, I'm sure he could be creepy, but usually when I see him pop in, I don't... He doesn't give me straight-up creep vibes. But Giovanni Ribisi, I'm like, is he a creep or isn't he? Like, I mean, and I did, you didn't want anybody who was, like, a, attractive because that would be too easy for you them. You want somebody to... who's unconventionally attractive. Yes. And yours? Mine. Well... So for Clute, I and I just said, you know what, somebody who's unconventionally attractive. But follow me. You'll see where I'm going. So my Clute is Kevin Costner. Because okay. my Brie is Whitney Houston. Because they did this movie, and it was called The Bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> I bow to you. Like it isn't this just the bodyguard with I will always love you and instead of being a sex worker, um, her character is a pop star. Which, I mean, except for the explicitness, like it's still the whole underground grimy thing. Like yeah. how how far how much different is it really? True. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am going with that. Well, we are to Tasty Nuggets. Okay. Would you like me to go? Or yes. do you want to go? No, go ahead. I have that Jane Fonda didn't think that she could play the role, that she told the director to to fire her and to hire Faye Dunaway, which I think is, mm-hmm. is hilarious because of the time. It's like, well, you just, just get Faye Dunaway. She'll do it. Um, and... I have this quote from her when she was talking about it that, um, like, once it, once the director was like, no, it's going to be you, I'm not firing you, that she had memories of several call girls she had known when she lived in France um, by the famed Madame Claude. And Ma- Madame Claude was a French madame, or madame. 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 The dame-ma. It's not a thing, Madame. Or madam. Madam. Um, she also ha- she had clients, the Shaw of Iran, John F. Kennedy, real life, not pencil sketch, the head of Fiat. Those were some of her high, high profile clientels. Say, quote, this is Madame Claude that said this, quote, people will always pay for food and sex, and I wasn't good at cooking. <laughs> and then she said, that she was never pretty enough to be a call girl, so she went into management. 
And that's how uh-huh. she became Madame. And um, so then Jane Fonda recalls, like, of the call girls that she had known in France, she said all the girls had been sexually abused as yes. children. Yes. And that their eyes, they had no light. There was a hardness and a helpless, a hopelessness to them. Yeah. And so that is, that is the the thing about it. It seems, and I don't want to say like, oh, it, it isn't possible, or, but women in that line of work, that always seems to be the common denominator. It seems. It comes up more often than not. Yeah, where you're just mm. like, oh. And so that that's what I was alluded to earlier with Brie of being like, oh, well, there's some trauma. because mm-hmm. and, and she was, Jane Fonda was putting that layer in because when she realized that, that was her entry into the character. And she was mm-hmm. like, oh, she probably went through this, which is great because it's a 1971 film. And to have it in like you know 2021 when people are talking about it now, and it's like oh yeah that. But she, but it's it's like it wasn't a new thing. It was that way back in 1971, and like Jane Fonda knew about it, and she's just throwing in these little like layers. Right, but it wasn't like like a common knowledge, or it wasn't like well, I don't uh, think mainstream. I don't think that Andy and Dave necessarily knew that when they were writing Bree. That like probably oh, not. I wonder if Lee did women. though. Maybe we <laughs> might have. We might have. Come on, that was funny. Do you know that Donald Sutherland and Jane Fonda had a real off-screen relationship? Really? For a bit after this, yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, Pakula. Pakula didn't want the eerie music. He thought Uh-oh. he thought it was scary enough without the eerie music. I like I would have I would have liked to have seen that. Now the JFK it said signed photo. Signed photo. Listen. Was from someone who had serviced him. It yes. was probably Madame Claire. It may may well have been. It just said someone who had serviced him, and it was a signed photo in, yeah. Huh. Um, that seems very, like, okay. Hmm. I, it's one of those things where you believe it, but then you're like, but now I have more questions. Like the, the coat of the dude in The Wizard of Oz. Did that yeah. really happen? I don't know. But I like it. Jane Fonda felt she wasn't desirable enough to play a sex worker. Well, do you have that story of how, because she was um, hanging out, you know, trying to, to get in the know with her character. And so she was hanging out with um, mm-hmm. fellow workers. And they, and that was kind of, because she had gotten her hair cut, so nobody really recognized her. But she, that made an impression on her because every, she never got hit on. And to her, it was because all of the guys knew that she wasn't really in the business. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. And it was like maybe because there was a, still a light in her eyes. <laughs> exactly. Like, she didn't have the dull. Um... Yay! <laughs> Christine is back. Oh, yeah, you're 
Archie. Oh, oh hello. Hello. We are on our tasty nuggets. Okay. We have done our LVPs and MVPs. Um, do you have LVPs and MVPs? I do. You can yes. have these categories if you want. Well, yes. I'm sure you talked about the power of cast where the black models had to come in after the white models. Yes, we did. Okay. Um, LVP. Um, oh, I just want to put this quote that I hope I can read. It says, you're all just too, oh, you're all just too lazy and too warped to do anything meaningful with your life. So you prey on the sexual fantasies of others. And I think he was saying that to her as a call girl, as if it's like something's wrong with sex workers. Exactly. Like what? Erin did a whole thing about it. Why is that illegal? Yeah, we're, yeah, I was questioning why it's even illegal. Um, and my, yeah, and my MVP was the, um, the costumes. Mm. And I have a tasty nugget about that. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. we are just at Tasty Nuggets. Did you want my LVPs and MVPs? Yes. yes, please. No, I mean my negative and positive reheatables. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. All of them. I don't have a lot. Negative, Con Edison. There was, <laughs> see, we knew there was going to be see what happened. I mean, they're a scam. They're scam artists. They're cons. They really are. They, when we first moved in here, after our first month, our bill, our first power bill was like $400. And I was I like, I'm sorry. It was March. You don't use anything in March. We didn't even right. have an AC unit, like right. a window unit yet. Um, and I was just like, there's no way that our power bill is that high. And they were like, well, it's just an estimate. And I was like, based off of what? Yeah. So... I didn't have to pay a power bill for the next, like, three months because they had overcharged us so much. Exactly. And you thought to question it. Other people just pay it. Oh, my it. God. I know. It's just, like, insurance. It's all a scam. Other people just pay it. Um, yeah. I wrote down I tried to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was the quote. I have it. I almost killed somebody. Well, I'm certain. Oh, yeah, we didn't really get into that. Yeah. Oh, and, okay, and then, oh, yeah, they just sent her home. They were like, okay. Mm -hmm. Good to know. She'll probably want to talk to you tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, My positive, the dining room with the plants in the beginning. Yeah, it was a nice dining room scene. Um, Her hair. Which we talked about a lot. You talked about that. Okay, cool. Christy Brinkley just asked for the Kate that just got her haircut uh, like two weeks ago, and she put on Instagram that she posted her hair new hairdo, and she said Jane Fonda, um, clute vibes. Yeah, the long shed. Now it's time for that to come back. It is. Miley Cyrus was rocking it. I noticed that, and Jeannie. I said earlier that Jane that Jane Fonda just got her hair cut that way. She yeah. was tired of her blonde do, and so she went to the barber and was like, do something with it, and that's the haircut. She didn't have, like, a special clute haircut. This was just her hair at the time. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. I love her for that. Yes. Um, I liked that. Well, Adam liked that she wiped her snot away. 
when she was crying. Yeah. That was my MVP. Um, her apartment. We said that. Wasn't it a nice apartment? Yeah. And it's an example of, um, uh, I'm so sorry. Um, it's an example, I think, of like all these movies back then and like the seventies of all these people who live in these terrible, rundown, shitty apartments mm-hmm. that now would be there's no way that we could ever afford that apartment. Exactly. And it was unclear of where she was, but she was in Manhattan. Um and it was a beautiful apartment. And now I had just said something to Adam like a week ago, we were having a conversation about how I could never live in a studio apartment. Like, I need that extra room. Uh-huh. Like, I need a separate room, you know? But I was like, oh, I love that apartment. He was like, would you live there? But it looked like a big <laughs> apartment. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you could do things to divide it up a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. she's living by herself, and she's in Manhattan. There were no roaches? There were no rats? Well, we don't know that. That we saw. I mean... Yeah. I mean, it was on top of a funeral home, but other than that. Um, I actually wrote her apartment and robe and vibe. Like Caftan. We, we went to the Caftan. Okay, dang. And when she just, like, sat down with her joint holder <laughs> and <laughs> had her glass of wine and a candle lit. <laughs> yep. Major after work vibes. <laughs> yes. And then because also wrote, Con Ed had said conserve energy, yeah. So she turned off all the lights and lit her candles. And I also, I guess I had had another glass of wine. I just wrote Brie Cheese because <laughs> of her name. See, you had the and and so for my recasting, I did Brie Larson because oh, I was in the Brie yep. <laughs> Um. Okay. Excellent. We're so glad you're back. Um, I am at, in my Tasty Nuggets, the original World Trade Center was being constructed when they showed the... Um, yeah, you can see it, right? Manhattan, yeah. Oh. Which I'm dumb. I guess I thought it was a lot older than that. I didn't know, but I was looking at the... Anytime I look at the... What's that called? Highline? The skyline, yeah, I look to see if it's there or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, the therapist was cast as a male, and Jane Fonda said she feels like her character would open up more to a female therapist. Mm-hmm. That was mm. a good point. I have, I have Sly Stone Extra. Yes. Sylvester Stallone was an extra at the Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. thinking of, you know, um, Sly and the Family, Family Stone, Stone just now. <laughs> okay. Oh, thank you for letting me be myself. And Babs Streisand turned down the role of Brie Daniels. Barbara Streisand? Yeah. Well, she would have been terrible on the role. <laughs> Yeah, because she would have been too. Um, she would have been a very intense sex worker. Yeah, she would. Yeah. Okay, those are my tasty nuggets. I have that the psychiatrist scenes were all improvised. Yeah. 
Okay. Because oh, as wow. we know, the actress who played the psychiatrist was a founding member of the of the actor's studio. studio. So of course she's she's bringing her A game. Um. Okay. Here you go, Ma. So it was nominated for best original screenplay, and Jane Fonda was nominated for best actress. Also in the category, Janet Sussman for Nicholas and Alexandra. What? I thought you liked that because that was the. I don't think I ever saw that. I'm gonna have to look that up. I saw that in school. They showed that to us, and it was a very long movie. Vanessa Redgrave. This is a movie I want to see. Vanessa Redgrave as Mary Queen of Scots. Oh, that's going to be intense. Oh, my God. Mary Queen of Scots on RuPaul's Drag Race last week. Mm-hmm. They um, had to do Snatch Game where they impersonate um, a celebrity on, like, Hollywood Squares or something. <laughs> and they usually all do, like, when somebody did Paris Hilton, they do that. And there's one drag queen on there who has Scottish heritage. And he did, what's her name? Mary Queen of Scots? Mary Queen Mary of Scots. Mary Queen of Scots. <laughs> And it was hilarious, which could have gone either way, but he, like, had his Scottish accent, and, yeah, it was oh, really funny. Wow. And then another one did Harriet Tubman. Oh, and <laughs> that could go either way. Too. I know, but, oh, but Simone, oh, my God, she's amazing, and she did it in a way to, like, educate people, and um, oh, it was actually really good, but she, that's one of the things RuPaul was like, but that's what a drag queen is, we take it to the edge, and... Yeah, that's nope. true. Push the limits and, but sorry though. I went to Mary high Queen school with somebody who who said she was descended from Mary Queen of Scots, and she became she was on the Dean Martin show. What was what were those the girls on the Dean Martin show called? Like um the, like the Goldie Hawn and Lafian like the dancers the go go dancers yeah the the extra oh, the girls Dean Mar- they were called victims <laughs> 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 Dean Martin and his show I'm just gonna guess <laughs> just gonna, I'm looking it up okay so we have Vanessa Redgrave she was nominated for Mary Queen of Scots Glenda Jackson for Sunday Bloody Sunday. And Julie Christie for McCabe and Mrs. Miller. And okay. Jane Fonda was the winner. I think because she played a sex worker that made you look at a sex worker in a different light. Well, as a person. But that's like, I mean, Vanessa Redgrave, Glenda, like that's nothing. Julie Christie, that's nothing to poo-poo your, it's not like she was nominated with a bunch of no-names. Um, and then here's my final tasty nugget because I had to, I was like, excuse me, I think Wikipedia just did a Wikipedia on me because, huh? Donald Sutherland and Jane Fonda won, respectively, Outstanding Actor and Actress in a Motion Picture at the NAACP Awards. What? Wait. Say that one more time. Donald Sutherland and Jane Fonda won in 1971 for Outstanding Actor and Actress in a Motion Picture at the NAACP Image Awards. Jane Fonda has an NAACP Image Award. And so does Donald Sutherland. She's more than an EGOT. 
She's got more than an E got. And then I, because I, I was looking, and then it's funny when you look at the movies before and after, because it's like, oh, 72, Lady Sings the Blues. But I guess that's how, how much of a down year 1971 was, where they were like, uh, clue. <laughs> okay, back to my point of a friend of mine from high school who then be, was on the Dean Martin show as the troop of girls singing and dancing. They were called the gold diggers. Oh, God. Oh. Ouch. I, like, I, I even cringed when I said, like, victim. I should have said survivor. <laughs> wow. Wow. The gold okay. diggers. So, yeah, they they probably have some stories, all of those women. I'm sure she does. Um, Is it my turn? Yes, ma'am. We're Did so you, happy you're back. I made it back. Um, and luckily, Adam met me out there to park the car because he's still going around. Good. Um, what, a, what a guy. Let's props to Adam right now. Did you already talk about her research for the role? Um, I just mentioned how she, and Ma made fun of me because of Madame, how she knew him. Because <laughs> she Madame. goes, Madame instead Madame. of Madame. Okay. Well, she didn't feel like, like, origin, or like how she didn't want the role originally. Because mm-hmm. she, okay, you talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she spent eight nights, uh, following around, like, shadowing sex workers in Manhattan. Like, like streetwalker type sex worker? Uh-huh. Yeah, like the real deal. She spent eight nights shadowing sex workers in Manhattan. They told her stories about all the kinds of men they dated, senators, presidents, the biggest companies in the country, diplomats, and the more important they are, the kinkier they are. Mm -hmm. Um, She visited the morgue to try to grasp the realities of the violence perpetrated against so many of these women, and she left her research still feeling like she wasn't right for the part. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was fascinating. Uh, yeah, the, the scene where she is looking at all the dead women. Mm-hmm. That oh, was, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was harsh. I'm absolutely reading her autobiography now, or her memoir. I heard it's really good. It's got to be. I that mean, was the, from her the, memoir. Jane Fonda, Five Axes, is fascinating. It's just what a life. It was. It was really good. And again, whoever did work on her face, kudos. Oh, I know. Because in the, that interview where she was talking about her haircut, I was like, I think she looks better here than she mm-hmm. did in Clued. I so agree. I was like, oh. I agree. Um, go ahead, Dini. No, go ahead. So a lot of the costumes that a lot of the clothes were her own mm-hmm. in the costumes. She like the boots, the purse, the choker, and her the short leather skirt. But, yeah, she had that above the knee boot going on before um, Julia, Julia Roberts. Roberts. Yeah, she she did it first. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but Anne Roth was the costume designer and she has done she well so Ann Roth is from Hanover Pennsylvania she went to Carnegie Mellon and began her career as a scenery painter for the Pittsburgh Opera <clears throat> she, and then she went into Broadway but she has won 
many awards, awards, best costume design for Places in the Heart. She was nominated. Never heard of it. The Talents of Mr. Ripley and The Hours. She was nominated for those. And then wow. she won Best Costume Design for The English Patient in 1997. English oh. Patient. That was a good one. And the list of the costume designers that, like, that she's done, the list just goes on and on. Television. Incredible. Movies. Um, since 1964. I've never heard of a lot of these, but that's what's new there. Um, but she most recently did costumes for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Oh, oh those wow. were good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, she has also won some Emmys, or she's been nominated. Um, and she won a Tony Award for costume design in The Nance. Never heard of it. Oh. Yeah. She sounds like she's getting really close to an EGOT. Yeah, and then in, uh, so in 2012, Jane Fonda had Anne Roth make a replica of that tan jacket that she wore. The suede one? Yeah. yeah. That was oh, yeah. And no. she sold it at an auction. Wow. But it only sold for $1,000. You could have bought it, Ma. Um, I could have, but what would I do? Put my foot in it? My left foot? You put your forearm. And then in 2002, Terry Richardson did it. 2010, sorry. There's a there was an entire Vogue shoot that was inspired by this movie. If you Google it, it's belts. Belts were big. Yeah, those wide belts that you wore yeah, really low. They were. Now I just did a deep dive into. Remember, fifty dollars. Yes. $50 and 71 would have been 322 like $323 today. Mm. $100 would have been $650 today. Mm. So, yeah, when she's going, "Ooh, that's going to cost you 100?" Okay. Anything else? I don't think those so. Those are mine. She was pretty freaking cool in this. She was. I mean, this started, I didn't know anything about Jane Fonda at all. Did and you know I, about her exercising routines? Well, yeah, I mean, I, well, like, I forgot about it. And, yeah, I knew about that. Right. And, and I listened to a lot about Jane Fonda in general. Well, I have watched Grace and Frankie. Um, yes. And... But yeah, and then I just started listening to her. I listened to an interview. She, there's um, she did an episode of Masterclass for Oprah, Oprah's podcast. Oh, I'll have to listen to that. And so she talked about her background and how she got into like activism and yes. Then they were talking about how she revolutionized the VHS tape. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because that's how I first knew Jane Fonda, was the dance videos and stuff. I thought that's all she did. Feel the burn. Yeah, feel the burn. Well, then, and then Ma would would be like, no, that's Jane Fonda, and would, like, kind of tell me stuff, and I'd be like, okay. But then, you know, you, you, like, see all of the different things, and the highs and the lows. Exactly. She's, like, the the good, like, the, the happy version of Jane Garland. You know, 
Jane Garland? I mean Judy Garland. I thought that's what you meant. Okay. Because, you know, because she had that, like, Judy Garland had the highs and the lows. And, like, yeah. Jane Fonda has had the highs and the lows. And and just how she deals with that. Right. Um, I feel like Jane Fonda, yeah, like, we'll have to do on Golden Pond at some point when she oh, actually. Yeah, because that was in my grandma's. Like she had like two VHSs and on Golden Pond was one of them, but I'm talking about like specifically, you know, when she was in the anti-war activism, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that's good. But then she got on a tank of the enemy. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the whole story behind that, like, I can understand how there will be some people who will never forgive her for that. But the Vietnam you, veterans at that time yeah, exactly. will never forgive her and, for that. And, and that's their prerogative. Yeah, I completely understand that. Agreed. But then also from her point of view of seeing, like, I was naive and I was idealistic and I had this mm-hmm. belief. And I also had all of these people who knew who I was and they were using me. And mm-hmm. they put me in this position that it's not an excuse. I shouldn't have been put in this position and they did use me and that's, I did it and I can never take it back. Like she completely owns it. She owns it. She owns it. She doesn't go, you know, at the, at the time I was right. That's the end of it. No, she owns it. And she does like these fire drill Fridays or whatever. Like she's still like June with George Floyd. She was out there. She was like, wake up, white people. And yeah, she did a lot with that. A lot with, I'm a white woman. I I was privileged in my in my growing up. I've been a privileged person, and I needed to look into what can I do. What um what do I need to look at? What do I need to educate myself about? Yeah, I I, I am impressed with her activism. Yeah. She's about that life. She is indeed. Well, next week, we're going to go back to 1946. It is March, um, the month of women. And I believe we have not done this woman in a film yet. And she was a a person of, uh, she had some influence back in the day. Oh, she had some influence. Um, 1946, you said. 1946, stop texting. I'm it's not texting. Bla- it's a black and white movie. It is, the director is Charles Vidor. Charles her co-star was Glenn Ford. Glenn Ford. And we've never done her before. I don't think we've ever done her before. She's Did we known... see a documentary about her? Might Did she invent have... something that is like going to blow people's minds? I feel like there's something more about her than what I remember right now. Um, Auburn voluptuous hair. Oh. Rita Hayward? We are doing Rita Hayward. We're doing Glenda? We are doing Gilda. 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 1946 Gilda. Oh, 
you know, Rita, or we'll get into it, but I think she's of Mexican descent or something. Possibly. Yeah. I I feel like we've talked about her a bit before, but I I don't think we've done a movie of her. Oh, nice. Yes. Excellent. I just watched a documentary about our Audrey Hepburn, Mm -hmm. so I almost changed it to an Audrey Hepburn movie, but no, it's going to be 1946 Black and White Gilda. Nice. Our first Rita Hayworth film. Our first Rita Hayworth film. What year? 1941? 1946, right after the war. But she was one of the war pinups. She was a va-va-va-voom. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Nice. Well, we hope you enjoyed our look at Clute and our week of Jane Fonda. And next week we're doing Rita Hayworth. Gilda. Well, there you go. Bye. Bye.